Welcome to ConExpo ConAg Radio, brought to you by the Association of Equipment Manufacturers with your host, Peggy Smedley. This is ConExpo ConAg Radio, brought to you by the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. I'm your host, Peggy Smedley. We have a really great show for you today, and we're going to be talking all about the economics of construction and predictions for the future. But first, I always want to remind you to subscribe to our 365 e-newsletter. This will help you stay up to date on the technologies and trends impacting construction. Now, we've seen a number of big trends emerging already in 2018. All of these predictions have set the course for what is to come in 2019 and even beyond. And that is what we're going to focus on in this podcast here today. One of the big trends is the fact that construction input costs are mixed and pressure is growing. This is due in large part because of tariffs, and the Associated General Contractors of America, AGC, suggests that additional tariffs are going to squeeze all of you contractors. Further, as all of you know, we're facing a labor crisis. And AGC just came out with a study, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. But roughly 80% of construction firms report they are having a hard time filling hourly craft positions. Now, these are just a few of the trends that we're going to tackle on this show. As always, we have a great guest who's going to join us for this discussion. So please welcome Ken Simonson, Chief Economist at AGC. Ken, thank you for joining me today. You're welcome, Peggy. Good to be back with you. So, Ken, really, let's talk. There's a lot going on in construction today, and this is an industry that, you know, you and I have been around for a very long time, and we know it rides a lot of the waves with this. But let's really talk about what is actually happening right now in construction, and what's your take on the industry so far? Well, I think there are three key things to look at. First, of course, is the actual amount of construction. Uh, the Census Bureau reports on construction spending put in place. That's the spending on projects underway. And the figures through the first seven months of this year are very balanced and very encouraging. Uh, total construction spending went up 5.2% from January through July combined compared to the same period of 2017. And that was really evenly divided, a 5.2% increase in private construction, 5.4% in public construction. And uh, the subcategories within those, most of them also showed uh, positive change, but uh, nothing runaway that would make you think the market was getting overbuilt. Uh, so that's the good news. Uh, the concerns are on the cost side, that materials costs on a wide variety of materials and also services are going up much more rapidly than our uh, contractors' uh, pricing. And as a result, uh, contractors are really getting squeezed. And then uh, the scramble for talent that, uh, as you mentioned, uh, AGC put out a survey at the end of August. Uh, 2,550 members said that they were having uh, 80% of them said they were having trouble filling one or another hourly craft position, and uh, they expect things to be just as hard or harder next year. So if you talk about that, certain things, the producer price index for industries jumps 8.1% if you talk about from 2017 to 2018, and you see that's good. But then if you see the craft worker positions 
they're having trouble filling the positions, you, you have a dichotomy there, right? I mean, I mean, that's where the challenge is. You can't have one thing going great, but then if you don't have the people to do the jobs, h- how do you make things happen? Well, that's right. And uh, contractors uh, did say in our survey that uh, they are uh, lengthening the time that they uh, are taking to finish projects, presumably because they don't have enough uh, people to get them done. They're they're now extending uh, the times they're putting into bids and uh, also that their costs are going up, as you might expect when they're paying more for overtime, spending more on uh, recruitment and on training for the workers they do bring in. And they're also investing more in labor-saving equipment because they recognize that uh, the challenge of filling those positions isn't going to go away. So uh, to the extent they can, they're going to uh, be replacing workers with things like uh, robots, uh, drones, GPS and laser-guided equipment, off-site prefabrication, and also building information modeling so that uh, they can more efficiently schedule and uh, order quantities that are correct. But let's talk about that, Ken, because, you know, that's something we've talked about before. You know, prefab is is a great thing, and we'll get to that in a minute. But, you know, we've been doing BIM for, what, 10 years, and we know collaboration in BIM is, is essential. You, you almost can't do without that. But when you start talking about robots and drones, I mean, the reality is drones are doing a lot, you know, and, and we've seen the benefits of that is surely on the safety side, surely on giving visibility and areas you can't go to. There's a lot of benefits on that. But when we get to the robotic side right now, I mean, there's certain things robots can and can't do. I mean, and the price point on some of this is really exorbitant. So I don't want to over publicize the idea of what robots can do at this point. I mean, it's the same thing like sensors. Sensors are having their benefits, but the price has to come down just like robots. The price has to come down before construction can really embrace it, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, but I think this is typical of new technologies in many fields that, uh, the, the first examples seem, uh, ridiculously expensive and you can't imagine anybody would adopt them, uh, but, uh, very quickly, uh, as you get to scale and, uh, improve your manufacturing techniques, then, uh, these things become much more affordable. Uh, we can certainly think of that in terms of, uh, consumer products and how ubiquitous, uh, televisions and, uh, cell phones, smartphones have become and, and how much those prices have dropped. Uh, the same thing happens, uh, not quite as dramatically, uh, because obviously, uh, the demand for bricklaying robots isn't the same as it is for smartphones, but nevertheless, uh, the technology keeps improving and with it, uh, prices are coming down. And it, it's not just for laying bricks, but things like, uh, 3D printing. I don't think we're going to see entire skyscrapers built by a machine, but those hard-to-reach or uh, dangerous places uh, where it's difficult to install something, uh, that's where uh, you can have an application of uh, robotic technology. Well, let's go back, because I know somebody listening right now is going, I'm waiting for Ken to really get to the heated discussion that everybody's dying, and the trade disputes and tariffs. You know, how are they actually affecting the industry? I know we're having some maybe progress when it comes to North America, but we've got bigger issues right now. How much is that really affecting what we think about construction? And when we're talking about 
building those skyscrapers and things like that when we need need steel and things like that what's what's happening there it's uh, really a mixed picture i think there's a lot of head scratching going on right now we got many many reports in the first half of the year particularly i'd say february through may of prices jumping for uh, steel uh, steel mill products of different types, uh, certainly aluminum, uh, lumber products, copper, uh, which uh, is not subject to a tariff. But nevertheless, the, these were all items that had big price increases. And uh, with the steel, aluminum, and lumber, uh, in many cases, the suppliers were directly attributing them to tariffs even though many of those tariffs had not actually taken effect at the time the price increases were shoved through. Now we've seen that uh, in some cases uh, the tariffs were not imposed, uh, but uh, others, uh, they're still pending or they've just taken effect, and yet uh, the price increases have not continued at the same rate. So I think people are waiting to see, are we going to have another round of price increases or maybe some of these trade disputes will actually be settled. Uh, but, of course, a lot of products uh, have a long uh, delivery time, a long pipeline. Sometimes uh, you have the raw materials already in inventory or the products that uh, people are buying had already been imported. So I think uh, we could see significant new round of price increases as contractors go back to their suppliers. And it's a major worry on how to price future projects. Isn't that that's something you said earlier, extending time and having to shift the way companies in, are doing things? Aren't there bonuses in some ways to be had about getting projects done? Isn't that the way we've traditionally done things? So now when you bid things out, you have to think differently. I mean, you have to think about what ifs that you didn't think about before because you don't know what's going to happen with these tariffs. And even on projects that you've had pending, there's a lot of things that you have to think about, not only the labor shortage, but you have to think about the tariffs. And, and you've got a lot of plates spinning right now when you think about trying to complete projects and making profits at the same time. Oh, absolutely. I think there's perhaps more of a premium than there's been in a long time on getting decisions made rapidly, whether it's on uh, delivering completed plans to contracts so that they can accurately bid a job and put in the orders for exactly what they need. Uh, there's a premium on owners uh, selecting that contractor and giving them the go-ahead uh, quickly. And uh, there's also a lot of incentive for the contractor to get the job done as soon as possible uh, because uh, finding that labor is going to be even harder in the future. Uh, so I think uh, there's really uh, every incentive for contractors to be looking for things that improve productivity, uh, to uh, sharpen their pencils even more in terms of estimating what their costs as well as their time will be. We've talked to some owners, and some of them have been understanding to the way things are. Are generally owners understanding to what's happening, or are they still very rigid and said, look, I've got a deadline, I want this project done, and, you know, it's, it, it's not woe is me. You know, we've, we want it done, and we've, we've got to meet them. You know, I mean, you know, they just say, look, figure out how to get it done and get that project completed. Oh, it, it, it's definitely a mix, and I think... 
owners have gotten a good break so far that uh the price increases have not flowed through uh to the bid prices uh the bureau of labor statistics which puts out uh producer price indexes that measure the cost of thousands of goods and services they also have a set of indexes that uh measure what contractors say they would charge to put up new non-residential buildings, five types of them, in fact, a warehouse, school, office, industrial, and healthcare buildings. And that index uh, went up uh, just 3.3% from July of 2017 to July of this year. Meanwhile, the cost of inputs to construction, that includes all the goods that go into buildings and, and highways and other structures, the items consumed by contractors such as diesel fuel, and the services they buy, including uh, equipment leasing services, uh, their costs went up 8.1%. Uh, so contractors really are being squeezed, and uh, owners haven't felt it yet. Uh, so uh, where you have a sympathetic owner, chances are they're going to have a better relationship with the contractor. But a lot of owners, you're right, that they're just tough on holding that line. Aren't we seeing now times changing that there's a lot more transparency coming? The new way of building construction is this partnership that we're seeing, this transparency is we want to know how you're doing things because that's the way it's going to have to be. If we have left workers, the owner is going to have to be somewhat a partner in this and saying, look, if you succeed or fail, we're going to have to do this together because if it's taking longer that you described in some of the research that the owner is going to have to take some ownership in some of this because they're going to have a problem. The manpower is not out there. We have a, an aging workforce. We don't have a younger generation coming in. And, and, and isn't there going to be a greater tie and commitment between the GCs and the owners on all of this? Well, I'd like to think so, but, um, you know, we, we've heard that kind of rhetoric for a long time, and yet contractors uh, find that uh, there are still plenty of intransigent owners out there. We asked about 20 specific crafts, and for all but one of those, a majority of our respondents said that they were having more difficulty than last year filling those hourly craft positions. And we also asked about uh, their expectations for the year to come. And uh, very heavily, uh, they said that things are going to be as bad or even worse next year. Uh, th- that's partly a good news story. It shows how uh, strong the overall labor market is. You know, we've been seeing reports from Bureau of Labor Statistics every month of unemployment rate of 4% or less. So uh, contractors are really having to scramble to find workers, not just ones with prior experience. Uh, they've pretty much all gone back to work uh, either in construction or elsewhere, or maybe they've retired. Uh, but uh, just even to find someone who's never worked in any industry, uh, there aren't many of them sitting around. Let's talk positive, because right now, if I'm in the construction industry, I'm starting to sweat it out a little bit going, you know, what do I do here? I mean, the AGC's been known. You guys have a lot of members. What are you guys trying to do right now to address some of the shortage of qualified workers? I mean, we have to focus on it, and it's been something we know. Manufacturing's experienced it before. What do you think you got to do to try to help, you know, address this problem? Well, it is multifaceted, and we just put out what we call our Workforce Development Plan 2.0. We retooled that plan because of a major success this summer 
uh, the Congress finally passed and the President signed a bill to uh, modernize and increase funding for career and technical education. And we want to make sure that Congress follows up with actual appropriation of money uh, to have that happen. You know, so many high school systems, uh, both uh, before and especially during the recession, uh, they cut back or eliminated uh, career and technical education programs or they let them atrophy so that uh, the skills that uh, kids were learning had no relevance to today's construction market. And we have a lot of construction firms and many of our 88 chapters around the country are now partnering with uh, school systems and local workforce development agencies, community colleges, to make sure that uh, they are providing relevant training and uh, the companies themselves are providing internships and other opportunities for students to uh, earn while they learn and to see exactly uh, what the career opportunities are. A lot of people still have the misimpression that construction means uh, dirty, dangerous, dead-end work. And the reality is you get to play with cool tools like uh, the robots and drones that we were just talking about or the 3D printers and uh, for training also that it's not drudgery. Instead, uh, in some cases, uh, people are strapping on mixed reality goggles. And so they're seeing uh, the blueprint overlaid on the surface that they are uh, working on. Um, or uh, they're getting to work right alongside somebody who is uh, using the most advanced tools out there. Talk about prefabrication because that's a great opportunity that you just described when you because that allows that opportunity to do things differently than we've ever done before. Sure, prefabrication has been around for a long time, uh, but I think people are seeing now that uh, it is uh, a more general solution than maybe had been the case in the past. Uh, when it works right, uh, you're getting things built uh, inside controlled conditions rather than out in the field. Uh, you're able to apply machinery and, and have people doing tasks uh, day after day uh, that are the same so that they get uh, steadily better at them. You can control deliveries much better and uh, hopefully uh, come up with a, a uh, more quality-controlled product and a more certain uh, delivery schedule for it. And I think the fact that we have many more projects happening around the country means that you're getting that level of scale that's necessary uh, to keep factories operating, to keep workers busy in those plants so that uh, they aren't doing a one-off the way you have on any uh, particular job site. Doesn't that then enable our workforce to be broadened a little bit when you think about prefabrication because it's not that dirty job that you just described? I mean, it is in a, a, an environment, but it's a different type of environment, you know, and the technology you're using is different as well. So I think it expands our workforce a little bit and enables people to see technology in a different way and the sophistication of how we've changed. So the worker of the future that we think about, that skilled laborer, is changing because of that as well, right? Well, that's right. It, it really means that uh, construction and manufacturing have become more of a continuum of jobs. That instead of just delivering a pile of materials to a work site and having uh, construction workers put it up there, instead you're delivering a module or an entire room 
and uh, lifting it into place and connecting the pieces, the the, the pipes and the wiring and uh, the uh, the ducts. And uh, so uh, that means that you really need to have uh, those uh, workers uh, who have the skills to uh, do something in a factory that connects right there with something in the field rather than people in the field just picking up the pieces and and uh trying to assemble a, a building entirely there in the field. And so I think uh, that means that there's also the chance uh, not just to reduce that need for uh, skilled field labor, but also uh, to allow transference of skills back and forth so that somebody who does have the field skills may work in a factory for a while and vice versa. We've we've talked about this before that we have a very small number of women in the industry because technology is changing and the younger generation has decided they have not seen construction in the way that they want it. Are we seeing technology change that maybe we can entice the younger generation not to just think, you know, Google and Amazon's the place to go? The way technology is changing, the way you've described drones and different things that we're doing with using 3D, VR, and things like that, that construction has some really cool new opportunities that if we do a better education, they might see there's really some great chances to grow and the salaries are actually there for them, that it isn't these dirty jobs that you described that says, hey, there's a great living to be had for those that maybe didn't want to go to college, but yet want to have a really great career in a great industry that's constantly evolving and growing. Uh, well, you're right that there uh, not only is the pay about 10% higher in construction than it is across the entire private sector, uh, but that gap has been uh, growing in favor of still higher pay. That uh, It's uh, been rising on a monthly basis uh, more in construction, I should say, on a year-over-year basis uh, in recent months. We've been seeing growth in construction pay of uh, well over 3%, whereas it's still in the 25 to 3% range in the private sector as a whole. And I think in terms of attracting women and and other groups who may not have found construction appealing, uh, not only do you have uh, much greater diversity of skills that are needed in construction than perhaps were previously the case, uh, you do have that upward path. So many construction firm owners uh, and certainly project managers and supervisors have come up from uh, starting out uh, as laborers or helpers. And so there's a lot more opportunity for upward advancement than there is in, say, uh, fast food or hospitality jobs where uh, many of them, it's just uh, take home a paycheck and not a very good one and uh, then uh, leave for something else. So looking ahead, what trends? I mean, we've talked about technology. We've talked about the tariffs. What do you see looking ahead that's a bright spot that really excites you about what's happening with construction? I know we've ta- infrastructure is a problem for us, and we have to address that. But those are the things that where construction really has great growth opportunities because we need to fix a lot of things. But where do you see the bright spots for the construction industry in general? Well, I think construction firms, uh, as the size of projects grow, uh, more construction firms are combining uh, not just for joint ventures with other contractors, but also 
saying, gee, we need to have the whole range of skills here uh, for design and uh, for completion, and you have owners who are interested in uh, the management uh, of the the building, uh, the ability to make it adaptable and sustainable. So it's opening up the opportunity for construction firms to uh, beef up uh, their use of architects, of uh, facilities managers, of uh, people who are looking at the whole uh, sourcing and design and uh, and uh, life cycle costs of uh, materials and of buildings. So I think uh, construction doesn't just mean hard hat jobs anymore and, and the people who are bossing them around, uh, but the whole spectrum of uh, what it means to have a structure, what the uses for it are, and uh, how it fits into the, the whole environment. And uh, looking at uh, what uh, are uh, people looking for in terms of places they go to work, how they get there. Are they going in their own car? Are they going to be parking it in a garage in that building? Are they going to take transit or bicycles or uh, electric scooters to get there? Uh, do they... Uh, want to be out in an office park and get back in that car to go uh, for lunch or shopping, or do they want to be able to walk next door or downstairs to have that? And so uh, the the whole nature of what buildings and their surroundings look like is changing, and I think construction firms are becoming more than that, but uh, they're uh, becoming the whole delivery mechanism for lifestyles. Well, you've just described our smarter cities and the aesthetics that go with that is what you're talking about. So do you see a lot of changes, you know, in 2019? I mean, how do you see the outlook for construction, you know, as we go forward in 2019? Is it going to be another really rough year because we really don't know what's ahead? Or do you, are you very optimistic about what the future holds for construction? Well, at this stage, there's certainly huge political uncertainty about how that year will play out, uh, both uh, in terms of tariffs and other trade issues, uh, uh, immigration and labor force issues, and also uh, spending on highways and other public works and infrastructure. Uh, but beyond that, I think uh, most economists, including me, still expect the economy to be growing and demand for construction. So I guess I'd say contractors are still going to have uh, the, the big problems of finding workers uh, to do the jobs, but yes, uh, there will be uh, demand for construction ahead. Uh, this is not going to be a recession year for the industry, but one in which they have to watch their costs very closely and have to be creative about how to get the work done. And do we see margins are still going to be as tight as always? Well, uh, as the economist for the association representing contractors, I never try to predict the prices that they will charge. But uh, looking at the cost side, uh, yeah, I don't see any relief coming on uh, labor costs, uh, uh, let alone uh, whether it's the direct uh, salary and benefits costs that they're probably going to have to keep increasing wages to remain competitive, but it's really the hidden costs, uh, taking longer uh, to find workers, spending more on uh, recruitment, and then once they get them on board, uh, they're likely to have fewer skills than the people they may have brought in uh, in past decades. So spending more on training, uh, more on overtime, 
uh, and also more on substitution for labor, whether it's uh, robots, uh, 3D printers, uh, advanced equipment uh, for both uh, training and uh, fabrication. Uh, so the cost pressures are certainly there, uh, no matter what happens on uh, the tariff and trade side. Well, I want to thank you, Ken Simonson, Chief Economist for the Associated General Contractors of America. I really appreciate all your time today. You're welcome. All right. Well, based on this conversation today, you could see some really great key takeaways. You know, bids are are going to need to be tighter. You know, the labor shortage is going to need to be addressed and the technology and advanced equipment will help create more efficiencies at job sites. But, you know, we we have a lot of uncertainty still there. But that's all the time we have for today. And I appreciate Ken spending so much time. But before we go, I want to remind you to stay up to date on the technologies and trends impacting the construction industry by subscribing to our 365 e-newsletter. And you can do that by visiting conexpoconag.com slash subscribe. I'm your host, Peggy Smedley, and thank you for tuning in to Conexpo Conag Radio, brought to you by the Association of Equipment Manufacturers.